0: I want to welcome you to Bethany United Methodist Church. If you are just choosing to join with us at this point in time, uh, we're glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, welcome to Bethany, where we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. Uh, if you uh, have comments or questions as we go through, there's some folks on the live chat on the side of your screen, and uh, feel free to address those to them. That's what they're there for, to, to be in conversation with you. Uh, we have been in this uh, series about... Uh, soul care as self care that we've been doing for a couple of weeks this morning we're going to talk about soul reflection i'm going to point you to a, a particular passage of scripture as we start uh, that i've read before uh, the previous week uh, talking about jesus practice uh, in the morning while it was still very dark he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed just a reminder that that christ himself needed to have those times in life that were set aside for him to gather in the presence of of god the father god the holy spirit uh, the unity of the godhead so that he could be refreshed and renewed in those times and i know. Right now in this time of the pandemic, uh, some of you are finding this uh, a practice that's easy to engage in. Others of you are finding it very difficult uh, as you're at home with uh, children who are needing to be homeschooled and entertained and, and other things are going on. And so uh, I, I know for some of you it's harder than others. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Christ has modeled this for us in his life and, uh, and sets the example for us that we need to have that time alone with God just as well. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your presence with us. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear what it is that you would speak to us today. Uh, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. Now, I'm going to jump uh, to the sixth chapter of Mark, and I know that doesn't sound like very far in a book, but actually in the gospel, it covers quite a bit of ground. At this point, Jesus has... uh, Uh, brought the disciples on board uh, asked them to become his followers they've joined together they've spent some time with him they've seen him they've heard his teaching and he is sending them out on their first mission if you will Uh, he's commissioned them to go out uh, to preach the gospel and to heal and cast out demons and mark 6 tells us so they went out and proclaimed that all should repent they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. They had this amazing experience. They went out and, and in the name of God, you know, they were, they were doing all these amazing things. They were proclaiming the gospel and people were coming to become followers of Christ. They were casting out demons in his name. Uh, they were praying for people and they were receiving uh, healing. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing kind of experience. And they prepared to go back to Christ and report to him. Uh, at the same time, though, while this is occurring with the disciples... Jesus has heard that his cousin John has been killed by Herod. So when this reunion happens, you have, you have these two groups coming together. You have the disciples who, who've had this uh, amazing experience, kind of like, you know, summer camp on steroids. You know, I mean, they're just really excited. They're all wired up and they're fired up and they're coming back. And Jesus, who's just received news of the death of someone near to him that he loved, and also within that, the, the actual threat to his own life. So, so they come back together. And Mark tells us that the, the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And, and really to get a feel of this, you need to kind of picture it It's kind of like a, a little league team that's just won the championship. You know, they're, they're so excited. They're jumping up and down and they're telling him about everything that happened in Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. And, and he's hearing that and wanting to enter into that. But he's also carrying with him this, this grief uh, within him. And he says to them, "'Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves.'" and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat, and they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. I mean, come away. I mean, he recognizes that that after all this excitement, they need time to to process they need some time with him and they want time with him one-on-one to talk about this and he recognizes that he needs time apart to process his own emotions uh, and yet there's so many people that are seeing him there and they're coming and going and asking him to teach and asking him to bring healing and asking him for this and talking to him about this i mean they can't even get a break to have something to eat so so to get that time away to, to renew themselves and all that and for the disciples to have a little one-on-one time with jesus Uh, They get in the boat and they go to a deserted place. And yet many saw them going and recognized them. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. I mean, he he comes ashore and here's all this crowd. And I suspect the disciples were kind of like, Jesus, just, just tell them to go away tell them to go on we've been we've been with them you've been with them tell them to go away this is our time with you we want our jesus time so tell them to leave and and jesus looks on them and he has compassion and that that word in the greek it, it literally means his heart went out to them his heart connected with their heart and that's why he knew they were sheep without a shepherd and he knew what they were needed and so he begins to teach them in this time uh, you know, those of us who do ministry as we're growing up, I mean, one of the things we recognize is that, you know, sometimes the, the, the needs of ministry overcome the needs of ourselves and our families. And especially when my kids were little and we'd come to the end of a, a morning, you know, the kids would be ready and my wife would be ready to go and have lunch and, uh, and they'd be waiting on me. And sometimes someone had had a, a death in their family or another traumatic event had occurred and they needed to talk and they needed to have time to be prayed with. And, and my, my family would have to, to wait on me, and uh, especially when my children were young, they could be somewhat impatient about that. And I, I can just picture the disciples kind of being that way at this moment, going, oh, this was supposed to be our time. Oh, well, who are all these people, you know? And Jesus, make them go away. And instead, Jesus begins to teach them many things. And in fact, he teaches them all through the day and into the evening. And as the evening comes on, the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, the, the, the crowd are hungry and, and they need something to eat. Send them out into the villages to get something to eat. It, it's kind of a backdoor, if you will, way of telling them to send them away. And, and Jesus instead says to them, no, 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 they don't need to leave. You guys give them something to eat. And so now follows the, the miracle of the loaves and fishes where, where the bits of bread and the bits of fish are multiplied and, and thousands are fed. And, and at the end of that, extras are picked up Spares are gathered and collected and brought to him. And then Mark says, as soon as they do that, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, the Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. I mean, after that that interlude where he does all that teaching, he performs this great work, he still recognizes the disciples still need this time. And so immediately he puts them in the boat. He says, get in the boat and go on. I'll catch up with you later. And then he dismisses the crowd and goes himself to pray. You know, we we need that time alone with God because whether we come from joy, like the disciples did, and excitement, or, or whether we come from grief, we need to have that time to step into the presence of God and simply to be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. I mean, we, we need that set-aside time. We need that, that Jesus time, that God time where we can step away from things and, and share our joys or share our sorrows and, and have that time alone with God. And sometimes life uh, will cooperate with us very well in that and sometimes life will will not cooperate with us so well in that Uh, my daughter got married on december 27th of this past year and we had the wedding here in the sanctuary and uh uh, those of you who've done weddings in your family know there's quite a bit of work involved in that you know planning and getting everything ready and then then there's the actual wedding you know people coming in from out of town and, and and rehearsals and dinners and all those kinds of things and everything and an hour before the wedding was getting ready to start, you know, when, when my wife and I are saying, you know, we're, we're ready to do this and it was going really well and we were having a great time, but we're also looking forward to being on the other side of it and being able to relax. And, and our daughter and son-in-law were looking forward to being on the other side of it and being able to relax. An hour before the wedding, I received a phone call that my stepfather was being taken to the hospital in an ambulance with heart trouble. And so we, we didn't tell our daughter that until after the wedding so that uh, she figured it out, I think, partway through it. But we waited until after the wedding to tell her that. But then when the whole day had gone and the wedding had happened, the reception was over, the dinner and all that, everything kind of wrapped up for the evening instead of uh, just going home and being able to, to, to rest, uh, you know, we went to the hospital. My daughter and, and my son-in-law went in full wedding regalia uh, to the hospital uh, and uh, to see uh, my stepfather and, and visit with him. And my wife and I came afterwards uh, to visit and you know, the, the good news is he, he put, came through it okay and uh, the other good news is that the people at the Round Rock Hospital had something to talk about uh, uh, that evening but, but it interrupted our plans and sometimes that's what happens, life steps in and gets in the way with a great joy or sometimes a, a great sorrow but nonetheless to have the long term kind of view to know that you need to step aside and have that time to simply, you know, be still and know that God is God. Uh, it's critical in our lives. I mean, we need to have that time. I mean, Ruth Haley Barton says that solitude is a time to experience our desire of God, to be able to indulge our, our love for God and, and simply to, to, to have nothing else distracting us or, or pulling us away, but be able to focus clearly on on that one deepest longing of all of our hearts, which is, which is to love God and to know that God loves us. You know, beyond everything else, that, that deepest longing that is within us. Uh, it's a time, uh, she says, for our soul to come out. And, and the image is of, of a, a wild animal that's timid uh, when we're present. And When there's a lot of noise and things going on, they kind of hide in the bushes. And, and only when we're still and quiet are they brave enough to come out. And she says sometimes that's the way our soul is. Uh, uh, we get involved in all of our doing and all of our scheming and everything we're involved in, and, and we don't really give a chance for, for our soul to make its uh, wants and needs, our deepest wants and needs known to us. Um, she says it's a time to unplug and to listen, uh, a time to turn everything off, to, to turn the phone off, to turn off the computer, to put the tablet face down, turn off the television, you know, get away from everything. You know, we are, we are so uh, bombarded with uh, input these days, well, audible and, and visual. I mean, it's just constantly coming at us uh, and, and it's overwhelming. Uh, and we have a hard time just sorting through it all. And, and sometimes we have a lot of difficulty sorting through it and deciding what do we want to listen to and what should we not listen to. And especially if you get on the internet, well, there is all kinds of false information out there. Uh, it's sometimes hard to know what to do. Uh, and so, you know, her point is that, you know, in the midst of that, the only way we're going to be able to hear God's voice is to, is to turn all that off. Because all that noise drowns out uh, any authentic word from the Lord. But we, we need to, to turn it off and we need to, to listen. To try to discern what the voice of God sounds like. Uh, when I was in seminary, I took a class in contemplation. And uh, some of the people that helped us with that were some monks from St. Benedict's Monastery in Snowmass, Colorado. Part of that practice was we had quiet time that they led us through and times of contemplation. And I'll remind you, in the Western tradition, meditation is meditation. It's, it, it's focusing on something, whereas contemplation is trying to, to focus on nothing, trying to empty your mind. Uh, and so they were leading us in these practices of contemplation and invited us out to the Monastery and Snowmass uh, for a day to, to practice in that, and uh, that's one of the nice things about going to school in Colorado is you, you have to go to the Monastery and Snowmass, and uh, we had a class in Aspen one time during the music festival, so there's some advantages to going to school in Colorado, but, uh, but we went out there, and, and it was uh, an amazing thing because all of us were so busy. Uh, we were doing classes, and we were working, and so uh, most of us, you know, from the time we got up until the time we went to the bed, you know, we were just on this treadmill of constant activity through the whole day. And, and to have that time simply to stop was challenging uh, and difficult and yet also very rich because it was one of the few times that we, we could stop and just be aware of what was going on inside of us and, and listen and, and try to learn to discern what God's voice sounded like when he spoke to us. And without that without that learning, how, how do you discern God's voice? How do you know that that's God's voice speaking to you and it's not simply your own idea or the idea of the people around you or, or the very voice of temptation? It's important to take that moment and, and, and set those times aside and, and unplug and, and learn to listen. And in that time also, she says, that's when we rest in God, simply to, to lean into God's presence. Allow God to renew us and restore us, which all of us so desperately needed in that time and which I think even now all of us so desperately need. I mean, I know for some folks the idea is that with us being at home it's been easier, but the truth is for, for many of us being at home has actually meant our workload has increased. Uh, we're, we're working all the time, and, and so it becomes even more crucial to set these times apart. She says if we fail to do this... Uh, it's oftentimes because, we are we, one, we're just too busy. Uh, and sometimes we're too busy engaging our gifts for ministry. We're involved in all the things we're doing, and we're busy with that. And to some extent, that's where the disciples were when they came back to Christ. All this stuff had happened, and they were all excited about it. But the problem is we get so busy in our ministry, and we get so engaged in our ministry, and we begin to plan, and begin to do this, and, and we don't pay attention, and we be, begin to act as if we believe it all depends on us. You know, if I don't do it, Who will? And once we begin to believe that it actually depends on us, that somehow or another, God really, you know, God's no longer capable of doing things on his own and God isn't active in the world, but it depends on us to do it all, it's only a small step then to where we begin to forget that we are not God. And so we begin to plan and we begin to scheme and we begin to act without checking with God or listening to God, without asking if this is what God desires or not. We assume that our plans and and everything that we've set out, this is what God wants to do, and so we make all of our plans and we kind of ask a thin blessing of God on what we're doing or we just cover it with the the name of God And, and we go off on our own rabbit trail. And pretty soon we're way out there on our own wondering why nothing works, wondering why we are so tired, wondering why God has abandoned us. Well, the truth is, it's us that have abandoned God. We, we, we need those times. We need that moment to simply be in the presence of God and to simply listen to the presence of God. In the Old Testament, there's a, a story about Elijah where he has a contest with the prophets of Baal. And, uh, and, and this is to see you know whose God is really, whether it's Baal or, or our God, Uh, who who really is God. And and they have a contest and it's it's around building bonfires. And so uh, the prophets of Baha, a a large number of them gather together and they build this great big huge bonfire and they they soak it with oil, kind of like us pouring kerosene on a fire. They soak it down with oil uh, and, and then they try to light it and it just won't burn despite all the oil that's on it. Whereas Elijah builds another bonfire and he soaks his with buckets of water and then prays and, and fire from the heavens comes and consumes the wood. And then Elijah slays the prophets of Baal. It's, it's both an amazing story of God's power and a somewhat gory story uh, at the same time. But immediately after that, word goes to Queen Jezebel that Elijah has, has overwhelmed her prophets and has killed her prophets. And she is angry about that and sends word to Elijah and says, I'm going to do the same thing to you that you've done to my prophets. And so in that moment when you think Elijah might be taking his victory lamp and lap, you know, and celebrating what had happened, that word comes to him, and he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord take away my life for I am no better than my ancestors Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Now, now broom tree is kind of a fancy name for something that really looks like this. Uh, it's really more of a bush than it is a tree, but, but nonetheless, he came and he, and he laid down and, and basically says, that's it. I'm done. God, you know, stick a fork in me. I'm done. I, that's enough. I can't do this anymore. You know, just, just, just take me now. Let me die now. And he's had this amazing experience and this powerful experience, and, and an experience that was very emotional and draining for him also. But, but as soon as he finishes that, word comes that Jezebel wants to kill him, and it's kind of like, really? I mean, come on, God. I mean, you know, I, I, just, I just had this amazing experience, and you showed your power, but now you're going to allow her to kill me? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And some of us know what that experience is like don't know if you're willing to admit it to the folks around you or not, but I suspect that more of us than not have experienced something like this where we've had uh, amazing times in our lives or we've seen God do amazing things and, and, and we've worked so hard and we put so much of ourselves into it and we think now we're going to get the coast for a while and instead something else challenges us. And, and we kind of get to that point of saying, Really, God? Isn't, isn't that enough? I mean, really, you're you're, you're going to ask more of me? You know, isn't that enough? I'm done. You know, when we uh, were building this building, uh, it took us about five or seven years, I think, uh, to work through the whole process. There was a planning process involved of whether we needed to do it or not. And then all the time and energy spent into uh, putting together plans and then revising plans and figuring out what we could do and what we couldn't do and what we could afford and what we couldn't afford, and then doing the fundraising with it. And uh, I I sometimes referred to this as the building project that time forgot, Uh, and it just seemed to go on forever. And then we finally got in it, and we had hardly gotten in this building before all the controversy within the United Methodist Church erupted. And it was kind of like, really, God? You know, I mean, really? You know, enough, enough. And I suspect there's things in your life and moments in your life when you felt very much like that. So Elijah's under the broom tree and he's just done. And as he's there, God sends an angel to him. An angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, the mountain where God and, and Moses uh, Conversed, where the law was given. He lays there, and, and God sends a messenger to him to sustain him and to nourish him for the next leg of the journey. You know, sometimes it's only when we hit those points in our lives, when we are totally worn down and, and beyond ourselves, that we are willing to be quiet and to listen for God. And to discover that in those moments, that's when God sometimes most powerfully sustains us and lifts us up. So God sustains him and nourishes him for the journey to Mount Horeb. And at that place, the mountain, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Now you hear the language in there. It all depends on me. I alone am left. It's just, it's just if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And, and now they're trying to kill me. He's forgotten who he is and who God is. And God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. You know, oftentimes we, we expect God to, to make big announcements and to come in grand and glorious ways. I keep telling people, you know, I pray to God and I say, God, if you just put me a billboard up on 183 and tell me what I need to do, you know, I mean, that would be great. Uh, but, but the truth is that we hear God most clearly when we are willing to step aside and be in silence in the presence of God. That's where we learn to to hear and to discern God's voice. And until we have learned to listen and learned to be in the presence of God, all the other spiritual disciplines can so easily be corrupted. Elijah hears him, not, not in what he expects, not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but in the sound of sheer silence. God speaks to Elijah. So, so Ruth suggests some, uh, Ruth Haley Barton suggests some uh, ways to, to practice this discipline on a very simple kind of uh, process, you know, find a quiet and comfortable safe space somewhere where, where you feel good and, and where you're not going to be distracted, uh, which can be challenging. Uh, take a comfortable position, focus on your breathing uh, deep and steady. Don't try to do or think anything. This is not your time to figure things out. This is not your time to think through problems. This is simply to be in the presence of God. Uh, Be aware of any thoughts or feelings that arise. As you allow that quietness to let your soul speak, uh, any thoughts or feelings that arise in you, just just acknowledge that they're there and then lift those up into God's presence. Don't try to do anything with them. Just lift them up into God's presence. And And then listen for what God may speak into your soul in that time. This is a practice you might uh, need to step away for a longer period of time, or it's a practice that might be for a shorter period of time, depending on what your schedule will allow. Uh, some of us can can set aside time more easily than others, but but even, even a, a short period of 30 minutes uh, or so a day uh, can be a valuable gift of being in the presence of God and, and understanding what God wishes to say to you. Another way to, uh, to hear what God is speaking to us is a practice we use in this church. It's called listening prayer. Uh, and... Uh, Our prayer team is gonna give you a few words about that. Uh, This is my sister and your sister, Kathy White, uh, bringing us a word about listening prayer.
1: God, to give me a verse to describe what listening prayer is, he led me to Hebrews 4.16, which says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is exactly what listening prayer is. Um, It's a work of the Holy Spirit um, where we encounter our Father in Heaven who has every good intention for us. Um, But when we have the courage and the humility to turn to Him, to acknowledge where our help comes from, uh, then He takes that opportunity. He takes that uh, willingness to listen and, and does not waste it. He speaks into our lives. We are able to approach the throne of grace with confidence uh, because we are not relying on our own understanding. Um, and we literally pray 2 Corinthians 10 5. 2 Corinthians 10 5 says that we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And it's with that confidence that we can listen and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal um, a word for us that Will help us to understand or grow, um, to walk more in His ways. And as a parent of four kids, and um, you know, a child of my own parents, um, I just I can't help but um, think of how honoring it is as a parent when my children come to me and um, ask for my advice and even how more honoring it is when they actually listen and obey that advice. Listening prayer is offered at Bethany every Wednesday at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Um, but if you are interested in meeting one-on-one to do listening prayer, you can um, visit the Bethany prayer web- website at bethany-umc.org prayer and uh, email the prayer team and schedule an individual listening prayer time. May God bless
0: you all. So when we were uh, in the process of trying to decide whether we needed to do another building or not or what we should do, the the leadership team of the the church invited uh, members of the prayer team to come and lead us in this process of listening prayer. And we did several sessions with that to discern what it was that God was speaking to us. And I can tell you it was uh, very valuable for us in uh, making decisions in that time. So if you if you have decisions or you're struggling with things in your life that you're not sure about what to do, I really would encourage you to reach out to the prayer team and to engage in a time of listening prayer. As she said, if you go to the website and you uh, go to the Ministries tab, uh, underneath that we'll drop down a menu and prayer is on there. Simply go to the prayer page and uh, you can find ways to connect with the group, uh, whether you want to join with one of the groups or whether you want to schedule a time for individual listening prayer with them. I highly encourage you to uh, take advantage of that as you're trying to wade through those decisions and discern things in your life. Uh, it's really very simple, uh, and yet it's, it's really very powerful. As I talk to you about taking time away to be in solitude and silence, I know some of you are finding that a little daunting to think about, um, and I can remember uh, taking those times out, and people would, would, would talk to me about that. Uh, my retreats usually are around three days when I do these. Uh, and three days by yourself with, with no one around you or no, nothing to talk to or, or listen to. Uh, and people would say, oh, isn't that weird? Isn't that, I mean, how did you, and all that. But the interesting thing is it, I really resonated with a comment that Ruth Haley Barton made about taking that, that time away, which is that the, the only time when I'm not lonely and my longing for a union is satisfied is when I'm in solitude. I, and I know that sounds paradoxical, but, but it's in those moments really where our, our, our deepest longing, which is to, to love God and be loved by God, to know that, that flow, that relationship, it's only in those times like that that, that I can most fully enter into that relationship. And, and I think for most of us, that's the truth. Uh, it's those moments when we set ourselves aside simply to be in the presence of God, that the deepest longing of our souls to love God and to know that we are loved by God is most fully known. So brothers and sisters, I I just encourage you to to step into that and and set time apart so that you can be in the presence of God and so that you can be still and, and know, and know God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you call us into these times of fellowship with you. Times when we can simply sit in your presence when we can listen to your voice, uh, when we can know your love. And we confess to you that it's so easy for us to be distracted. There's so much coming at us these days, uh, the inputs and noise and videos and all the things that are around us, and it's so easy for us to get so busy uh, that we can't find time for you. And sometimes we even become so busy in church work that we don't have time for you. So help us slow down. Uh, Help us... Understand that we need this time, that just as our Lord modeled, we we, we need that time alone with you to be in your presence, to be still, and to know you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.